0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Stock Bites for Monday, August 3rd. We have a Robinhood recap for you today. Kodak, Apple, Candy Technologies, Moderna, and GE. We're going to break down why they were in the top five traded stocks last week on Robinhood. Trey is out today. He's feeling under the weather. So I'm going to do this one alone. We hope to check in with Trey a little bit later in the week. As always, guys, you can reach me and the show at stockbitespodcast at gmail.com. StockBytesPodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Stock underscore Bytes. Stock underscore Bytes. So, look, even though I'm alone, I think we have a pretty jam-packed show full of good information. So let's get to it. Well, let's jump right in. Number one added stock in Robinhood last week: is Kodak, K-O-D-K. Ninety-six thousand Robinhood users added this stock last week, and you know, in the couple of months that we've been doing this, uh, this is the most added stock in a given week that I've seen. You know, today Kodak is down twenty-one percent uh, as of the time of this recording. But you know, and today is Monday, uh, a- August third, but still, over the last five trading days, it's up nine hundred and forty percent. That's pretty amazing. I didn't even know that this company still existed. Uh, the, the news that broke was uh, a new business unit, Kodak Pharmaceuticals, will produce, quote, critical pharmaceutical components that have been identified as essential but have lapsed into chronic national shortage, end quote. They signed an LOI, Letter of Intent, with the U.S. International Development Finance Corporation. We're just going to call that DFC from now on. Yeah, so the DFC gives Kodak $765 million to support the, the launch of the new entity and to get their machinery rolled over and stuff like that. The, the DFC is America's development bank, and I didn't know much about this entity, but they partner with the private sector to finance development. Basically, the U.S. government uh, is investing in our future and investing in tech and being a... You know, taking a more hands-on approach, I think, than a lot of us may have realized. They're, they're again, they're part of the U.S. government, and on their website it says they're committed to generating returns for the American taxpayer through its investments and development. So, a couple of things that I find really interesting about this spike in Kodak—they released their Q2 earnings pretty recently. Uh, so, July 27th, that was last Monday, and. I think they released earnings the week before that or something like that. But there was no analyst questions at the end of the earnings call, which is pretty rare. Usually you have a lot of interest and there's tons of people trying to, to ask questions. There was none. Uh, on that, you know, they, I guess they, how, how do you see this coming? Unless you're the one or two people who the day before the announcement was officially made were able to, by, uh, I'm assuming by 1.6 million shares of this stock. So there's some pretty interesting trading anomaly, volume anomaly happening here. On July 27th, Kodak was trading at $2.62. Two days later, on July 29th, they're trading at $53.37. That is a massive media work increase. And just for comparison today, while we were recording this, they were all the way down, back down to $17 bucks and, and change. Over the last 30 days, the average volume in Kodak stock has been 231,000 shares, changing hands per day. Then on July 27th, which is last Monday, there's a jump from that 231 to 1.6 million. That's the day before the news was officially released. The day the news was released, on Tuesday, volume jumped up from 1.6 to about 250 million. So it was out. However, somebody knew, and reading through this article, it, it talks about Kodak leaking the story to a few reporters at a new, in a news outlet in Rochester, New York on that Monday. The reporters sent out tweets uh, that were deleted an hour later. Apparently, Kodak sent them the information, w- wanting them to release it. They didn't put anywhere on that. The Wall Street Journal looked at the, the memos that they sent. They didn't put anywhere on there. This is for internal use only or, or don't release this. They sent them the information to these reporters who posted on Twitter and to a news channel. And then an hour later, they had the reporters and the news channel delete the stories. In that hour, Kodak stock price jumped 8%. And again, this is the Monday before the news is released. Here's my crazy conspiracy theory on this. Someone pretty well connected leaked the stories to cover for the huge spike in volume ahead of the news being released. Someone connected to Kodak, said, hey, I need a cover. I'm about to go spend, you know, it was 2, two dollars on Monday. They're going to buy 16 million shares, excuse me, 1.6 million shares, and then get out of them the next, you know, in a couple of days after the volume is spiked. They need a cover to do that. Or otherwise, that's insider trading. So Kodak fake releases the news. Oh, look, it was out there for an hour to, you know, some random journalists in Rochester, New York, of all places, uh, which is where their headquarters are, but during that day, somebody went out and got paid. They bought 1.6 million shares. You know, in over the course of the next couple of days, I'm sure that they dispose of them. To two, two dollar and sixty two cent average purchase price. You know, let's say that you sell somewhere near the top at fifty bucks a share. That's a pretty damn good return for two days. I think. If you if you weren't already in this, stay away. Uh, I don't think I'm saying anything crazy there. This is pure hype. We have no idea what they're going to be producing, how it's going to affect the bottom line. You know, they ha- they do have six segments in their business. You know, print, inkjet, brand and licensing, three D printing, the business park where they operate. They they lease out some of the uh, the space there. So we don't know much yet about what this loan is going to do and. You know, in 2019, Kodak launched a cryptocurrency. The stock price increased 119% within a few days, and it was right back to where it started after that. So I'd say stay away. Don't try to catch the falling knife. Next up, we had Apple. Uh, 41,000 Robinhood users added last week. For the last five trading days, Apple's up 15%. It's currently running up against $444, excuse me, $440 a share which is awesome. It finally broke the $400 barrier. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a psychological barrier for people, uh, I imagine. But we're, once again, Apple's the most valuable company in the world. Some news for the week, they announced a 4-for-1 stock split in August. Uh, they released second quarter earnings. They beat EPS earnings per share estimates by 51 cents. They had close to $60 billion in revenue in the second quarter of this year. That was an 11% gain from the same quarter last year. Apple has not been affected by the pandemic whatsoever. They also announced pretty recently the purchase of MobiWave for $100 million. It's a startup that allows users to tap a credit card or smartphone to their iPhone for payment. And they Apple can potentially integrate this into basically a payment system for businesses using iPhones, turning them like into a mobile payment processor that's going to compete with Square. Funny enough, Square was actually up seven percent of the last five days, so it didn't seem to to hurt them. But Apple's continuing to evolve. Uh, They're they're everywhere, and they're going to continue to be. you know they categorize the revenue into five segments you got the iPhone Mac iPad wearables home and accessories and services iPhones brought in 26 billion last quarter services was second in terms of revenue generation at 13 billion and that's grown that's up about 2 billion from the year before that And this is really important it's a really important thing for Apple just you know the same way for anybody right for if it's Peloton or if it's some other big company or it's you sitting at home You need to have recurring revenue streams constantly coming in. Diversify your bonds, right? And the services segment for Apple is is incredibly important just because how expensive can iPhones really get before people stop buying them? But, you know, Apple Pay, Apple credit cards, uh, this mobile pay thing for business, Apple Store, Apple Music, Apple Care, Apple Arcade, Apple News. It goes on and on. They have a ton of this stuff. They're doing a great job and uh, continuing to dominate. Buy, and I've, I've talked about this on a couple of, uh, a couple of shows here. If you have Apple, Facebook, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, buy and never hold. Don't look at your account, or excuse me, buy and never sell. You just you know these companies, for the most part, they're so big you know, a global pandemic comes along, great. We're going to make more money because we are the big tech conglomerate that's connecting people from their, you know, from their home to their phone, to their office, to all these places. So I just woke up this morning and Apple's PE ratio was over $40. A PE multiple of 40 means that I have to pay $40 to get $1 of Apple's earnings. Historically, Apple trades, it's kind of like they, they top out at around 20 uh, over the last 10 years. And once they, the price gets that expensive, it, you know, it may hover around there for a little bit, but it typically will kind of fall back into a you know 12 to 15 range. So they're they're very expensive. The last time that they had a PE multiple over 40 was in 2008, right before the great financial crisis. A couple of other things that I, I saw on that, nearly 28% of the S&P right now is tech. That's the highest proportion since 2000. And that doesn't even include Facebook, Netflix, and Google, which are for some reason classified in the communication services sector. But you know, if you're drawing comparisons to crises in the past, there's, they're becoming more and more abundant. Right. All these companies trading at historic PE multiples, tech becoming a bigger and bigger part of uh, the stock market, and you know, hey, I might be the guy that says this time is different, but we'll see. Third up uh, on the week, Candy Technologies Group, KNDI. I found this one really interesting. 27,000, excuse me, 24,700 Robinhood users added last week. The stock is up 76% over the last five trading days. Guys, stop me if, if you feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but this is a Chinese electric vehicle company. However, they have been around a while and they have, they do have some revenue. Over the last 12 months, they've made about $112 million. They've pioneered battery swapping as a way to charge electric vehicles as opposed to actually just plugging them in. There's no humans involved. You know, the computer system will bring the car to the, to the warehouse and, you know, a robot will just plug in a new battery and... They're really uh, Candy is really plugged into the ride-sharing economy in China. However, the news for this week, they announced that in August they're going to start taking pre-reservations for the cheapest electric vehicle on the market in America, and they're going to start selling. Oddly enough, out of Dallas-Fort Worth, but. The after government subsidies, the the final price on their electric vehicle that they're going to start offering at the end of this year is going to be twelve thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. That's cheaper than a you know a gas Ford Edge or whatever. You know that's that's incredibly uh, inexpensive. It looks kind of like a cross between a Fiat and a Smart car. It only gets a hundred mile range, hundred miles per charge, but you know if you're living in Houston or Dallas or any of these other Big cities, which is what most of this country is doing, and you're driving to and from work every day, this is a pretty awesome way to do it. You know, you're, you're getting the, the newest tech, you're, you're not having to pay for gas, and you know, we'll see if it actually works. But in 2013, Candy uh, formed a joint venture with the Geely Group. And I think that's important because it will, let me back up here. Candy is a 28% owner of the joint venture. But Geely Group is the largest privately held automaker in the world. They're owned by the sixth wealthiest man in China. They own a bunch of brands, but the only two that I'd actually heard of here are Volvo, household name, and Lotus. But what this is telling me is that this company does have big players behind them, deep pockets behind them. On a side note, Neo, which is another Chinese electric vehicle maker that we've talked about, reported, uh, I think either today or on Friday, that their electric vehicle deliveries for the second quarter were up 300%. Last time we looked at them, we discussed that they do have a negative margin on their product. So the more product that they sell, the more money they lose. However, if they can continue to show growth, they can continue to finance their losing moneyness for lack of a better term they'll be able to learn new investors via debt or equity on the promise that look once we get to scale we can turn we can flip the profit switch from on to off or off to on so I think that's just a you know an interesting thing to keep an eye on <clears throat> also on the day DPHC was the number one added Robinhood stock today Monday it's a little out of the way but Diamond Peak Holdings, they're a SPAC, special purpose acquisition company. They announced a reverse merger with Lordstown Motor Company. Stop me if that sounds familiar. Lordstown Motor Company, the the former CEO of Workhorse, uh, which Workhorse is making these last mile electric vehicle delivery trucks here in America. They're an American company. They're actually up for a United States Postal Service bid right now. That would be huge for them. Um, Their stock's kind of hovering around 15 to 20 bucks a share and just kind of waiting out to see when the USPS releases this information. However, they have a 10% stake in this company called Lordstown Motors. And because their CEO left, he bought this whole GMC plant. He's going to retrofit it to make electric pickup trucks. You know, unlike the Cybertruck, they look like a normal truck. They just released a working prototype like a week ago. They didn't have one of those. They just had drawings. And anyway, they announced that they're going public. They have... This is super sketchy, guys. They have zero revenue, tons of debt. I'm sure they have tons. of. I haven't looked at this at all. But it's just a guy. He had to go out and raise $300 million. He was trying to raise $300 million to, to retrofit the, uh, the, the plant anyway. And look, their, big, their, their, their pitch is that they're going to make a truck that looks like a regular truck, not a cyber truck. Well, guess what? Ford is already doing that. Ford's probably going to have an electric F-150 before Lordstown Motor Company will. Nikola, offering the Badger. It's a hydrogen electric vehicle. It looks like a pretty badass truck. So this is a bubble if I've ever seen one. If you own Tesla, Nikola, Neo, Workhorse, uh, Blink, you name it, you probably don't need to have a ton of exposure to DPHC. What people are The reason people are buying today is because of what Nikola did as a SPAC. You know, you could have bought that uh, VTIQ, whatever it was called, at ten or twelve bucks a share. And then once it was announced that Nikola and who they were and their investor presentation got out there, and oh shit, this is a green company, they're going to beat out. You know, they have a clever name. Then the stock went up to ninety in three days, ninety bucks a share. So people are hoping that this is it. I'm personally staying away from DPHC and this Lordstown motor company. Anyway. Where were we here? Uh, back to Candy. Just so you guys know, if you do hold it, there is a class action lawsuit in America against Candy alleging that the company made false and misleading statements and or failed to disclose that certain areas in their financial statements from 2014 to 2016 materially misled investors. Again, rinse and repeat with these Chinese electric vehicle companies. The same sort of thing happened with Ideonomics. You know, they don't play by the same rules that we do. Anyway, next up, third most added stock. or are we on number four here? Yeah, number four, Moderna, back in the top five. Twenty-four thousand Robinhood users added last week. Uh, the stock's performance was up one point two two percent over the last five trading days. They did have some news this week. Uh, it did com- Reuters. Reuters. I sound. I struggle to pronounce that that word, but Reuters uh, published an article. Pretty recently, I guess last week, saying that Moderna was targeted by Chinese-backed hackers who were attempting to hack the uh, the COVID-19 vaccine data that Moderna has. And I think, weirdly, this lends Moderna some credibility. There's three companies that were hacked. Um, I don't I don't know who the other two were, but Moderna was one of them. Also this week, Dr. Bet- Dr. Betsy Nabel resigned from Moderna's board of directors. This was a, a big thing that the bears were using this week to talk about the stock, Look, Betsy Nabel, she was on the board of directors. She's also the president for a hospital. And part of Moderna's phase three COVID trial that they're ramping up for right now, it should be going in four to six weeks. 30,000 people spread over 80 hospitals. Well, Betsy Nabel is the president of a hospital and she had to resign in order to, you know, remove a conflict of interest and, and that sort of thing. So the big thing that, 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 People are, are talking about is on the way out the door, and I don't know if it was, yeah, it was hell. They probably knew that her hospital was going to be one of these on July 15th. But Betsy Nadel sold how many shares here? On July 15th, she sold 74,000 shares of Moderna valued at $6.5 million. And so bears are going, look, all the insiders are selling, this trend is continuing. Luckily for Dr. Nabel she still has stock options representing an additional 115,000 shares that she can purchase at a defined price in the future. Look, people. You know, everything about this company screams capitalism from their their seed investor flagship pioneering they they are a hedge fund that only does biotechs, and they're all about making money, you know, to all the insiders who've been selling stock hand over to hand over fist. They also released The Financial Times this week uh, reported that Moderna is pitching $50 to $60 per COVID vaccine to the EU. That's way higher than Pfizer's $2 per dose. This is a capitalistic, money-making company, right? it, It shouldn't surprise you that the people who are involved are the same way. A year ago, Moderna's stock was trading for a couple of quarters, I don't know, some couple of sticks and a salami sandwich, and all of a sudden it gets up to a hundred bucks a share. You got to expect these people to sell. You would do the exact same thing. And, you know, I think you're, maybe some jealousy is involved here, or you just have shorts and you're trying to influence the market one way. Again, uh, a COVID vaccine would be the first drug approval for Moderna. They have zero drugs in production. I think they have close to 30 drugs in the pipeline that they're working on, but coming out with a COVID vaccine would be a big deal for them. Last but not least, we have General Electric. 18,000 Robinhood users added last week. It's the number two held stock on Robinhood after Ford. Close to uh, close to 100 million people. Wait, is it close to 100 million or is it close to... Uh... here let me yeah 858,000 robin hood users hold general electric which is pretty surprising to me i like to hold i like to buy right now but if this is something that you're going to want to trade in and out of like all these other you know electric vehicle companies that we've been talking about that's not what ge is ge is either going to go bankrupt and you know be kind of sliced up and and sold off or they're going to get their shit together and turn it around but either way that's going to take a while to do they released their q2 earnings last week they sucked the the company's too large for me to really get into all of that right now in, in a timely manner but they operate in some of the most sought after industries and sectors uh you know the defense industry they build engines for naval destroyers and jet craft uh, they build engines for airplanes. They're in healthcare, uh, diagnostic imaging. They're all over the place. Renewable energy, power plants. Uh, but there's <clears throat> I don't I don't remember the exact name of this. There's the, there's an idea, a generally accepted idea in, a, in in finance that conglomerates typically trade at a discount to their parts, to the sum of their parts. And a conglomerate is a massive company like GE that is typically, in a, you know, one company grows in a mature industry um, and runs out of growth. They run out of users. So they have to go out and buy. All right, so GE is a, a car maker, and then they run out of uh, addressable markets to sell cars, so they go out and buy a jet engine facility, and they start building there. And then they go out and buy a healthcare facility. So a conglomerate amasses all these different things. Think of Disney. Disney's a pretty good conglomerate too. And there's a, excuse me, it's just a general held idea that because the conglomerate is so big, it's going to trade for a a little bit of a discount compared to what all the underlying parts do because you're spreading yourself thin. You're not, okay, the head of GE may have been an expert in car sales, but what does he know about healthcare, right? Right. So you're in a well-run organization, that, that discount is going to be small. In a struggling conglomerate like GE, it's going to be a pretty big gap. And I thought this was interesting enough here. The Harvard Law School Forum on Corporate Governance published a research paper in August of 2016 where the authors analyzed the investment patterns of U.S. conglomerates from 1990 to 2009. They found evidence indicating what I'm talking about here, that managerial biases can lead to distorted capital budgets that don't maximize shareholder wealth. And they actually coined the term CEO long-shot bias. And what they found is that it's the tendency of CEOs to overvalue projects that have higher perceived upside potential. They posit that the special authority of conglomerate CEOs and capital allocation decisions together with the fact that the assumptions in these... Anyway, I'm getting way too technical here. But these CEOs historically allocate capital inappropriately because they're not experts in all the fields that they manage. That doesn't mean that GE is a bad investment. You know, Their stock over the last five years is down 75%. They know this. They have to turn this around. But How long that will take? I don't know. You know, add on top of all the the mistakes the GE has made, you add on top the coronavirus. And I think there's a pretty good uh, comparison to what's happening right now with pro sports, with baseball and basketball. You know, well-run organizations are going to thrive during stressful times. Take a pandemic where everybody has to go stay inside and there's, you know, know, 17 million people unemployed, so on and so forth. If you're well-run, you can survive it. If you're not well run, all the little cracks, all the chinks in the armor are going to really come into focus. Basketball, there's no way the basketball season is not finishing. It is awesome to watch on TV. The games are competitive. You don't even notice that the fans are gone. You know They're all in a bubble down on Disney. They have the best commissioner in sports, and they spent a lot of time to figure out Everything about this. And you can tell. If you just even listen to the game, you can tell which team is the home team by the way the crowd is chanting. Right? So they have different chants, depending on who's home and away. Just like the littlest tiny things, like changing some of the camera angles so you can't see that there's nobody in the stands. And you know, compare that with baseball. It looks like you know how many games is this season gonna be? Three? Three more games until it's canceled. They spent all this time bickering about money, not getting ready for the season, not getting ready to protect their players, not going into a bubble, all this stuff. And they have a commissioner who has been pretty objectively terrible since he's been there, and it shows. It really does show right now. Anyway, uh, big picture here. We had a great day in the markets. Um, Yeah, whatever. That's enough for me for the day. I appreciate you guys listening. Again, Trey was under the weather today, so our thoughts go out to him. We'll check in with him later in the week. you will have a great day. Thanks, guys. He changes his clothes. He's going to paint the town. Avenues alive tonight.